This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben Intendi coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did! He got it! Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. Hey, he crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone. Terry Cushman here with the Benny and the Bets podcast. Apple Podcast link is up above. Click that. Subscribe. All of our shows are available. I'm going to do some Q&A tonight if anyone wants to participate. Um, Normally, we would do a podcast, but there's not really a lot of organic Red Sox topics that are fluid right now. Um, So I just figured I'll come on here and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, To kind of get started uh, before anything does come in. Or (laughs) let's just go right now. Um, Kyle asks if I believe there's going to be a strike before New Year's Eve. No, I don't think that. You know, I think a lot of the contract situations got resolved. I don't think some of them are, um, I don't think some of the new rules coming out uh, everyone is crazy about, but MLB seems to be willing to flex at the union's discretion. Uh, Case in point, earlier this year, uh, you know, they were talking about implementing the pitch clock, and then MLB reneged on that. So um, there might be a little bit of tension over that, but I don't think a strike will happen this year. If it does, it'll be in, I think, 2022 or 2023 when uh, the new contract negotiations will uh, take place. Uh, Red Sox 7853 asked me if J.D. Martinez will be back. I feel he will. I've talked about this at length uh, in the past. Basically, we've all seen his defense be complete crap, and especially in the last month. So I think it would be a huge stretch for any National League team to take a chance on him at big money, especially where he has some health concern as well. His his you know back was an issue at some points this year. Uh, he had a foot injury uh, previously, which led to his contract being restructured. So I just feel like if you take the whole National League out of the JD sweepstakes, Who's left? The Yankees are already over the luxury tax. I don't think they would be in play. They have to start looking at extending Judge, uh, Sanchez, 
Uh, you know, Glaber Torres probably a little ways off, but you know, those are some guys that they're going to prioritize. I don't think the Astros will go there again. They get great value on certain guys. Michael Brantley, you know, a two-year, $32 million deal. Just absolutely brilliant. I, I think they would make another move like that versus signing JD. I don't think the Rays would be in play. I have heard the White Sox maybe, but it would be a huge gamble for JD to leave $60 million on the table only for the White Sox to not come through. The Twins could be another option, but I, I don't see it. And maybe a dark horse team like Texas. I think JD Martinez. Uh, stays with the Red Sox, and maybe they rework his deal between them. But uh, Pelota underscore Narnia asks me um, it, what my projected rotation will be for 2020. Assuming Chris Sale doesn't have Tommy John surgery, which isn't confirmed yet, you know, he's still going to have a follow-up visit with Dr. Andrews here. Probably within the next week or two, it's got to be coming up. Uh, If he's in the clear, he'll be in the rotation. David Price apparently is having that cyst on his hand taken care of. He'll be, you know, back in the rotation. Erod, of course... Uh, Nathan Avaldi, I'm assuming they're going to basically plan to start him in the rotation. I personally think he's a reliever at this point in his career, especially with the durability concerns. But all of those guys, really, except Erod, do have durability issues. So I just I don't feel good about 2020 as far as our starting pitching goes. A little more optimistic with the bullpen, you know, with the resurgence of, uh, or I should say the uh, emergence of uh, Darwin's and Hernandez. And, you know, Josh Taylor, we have Brandon Workman for another year. We also have some high-end prospects that should eventually make it back. So, you know, bullpen, not so scary. Rotation scares the crap out of me. Rick Porcello should not be back, but you, there is a sizable faction of Red Sox Nation that wants Rick Porcello back because of the value, the fact that he can go 200 innings a year, stays off the DL. I'm not a huge proponent of that because I think we need to bring in, at a minimum, a Jake Odorizzi type guy who can kind of make a difference in the rotation and if sale and price are having some issues he can kind of pick up their slack and and carry the rest of the rotation with erod and and whatnot rick porcello has all he can do to carry himself so i just i don't think i don't think rick porcello is a good move at this point and i'd like to shake up the chemistry a little bit. I, I think that was kind of an issue. Things got a little stale this year. So Rick Porcello is a good place to start with that. You know, just kind of move on from him. Mookie Betts, I fully expect to be traded. So he'll be gone. 
Uh, Moreland and Pierce most likely will not be back, so they'll be replaced with minor league talent and maybe a couple free agent signings. I'd love to sign Nick Castellanos, but I have a feeling 29 other teams would as well. So um, we'll see how that develops. GM thoughts uh, by uh, R underscore G underscore Anderson. Um, It came out, what was it, yesterday that Theo Epstein would not be leaving the Chicago Cubs to pursue the opening with the Red Sox. Epstein uh, discussed this openly with the uh, beat writers while he was on the road with the Cubs in Pittsburgh. They're currently playing the Pirates, and he says there is nothing to the story. Nothing is, uh, you know, nothing is in play as far as he goes. He did go on to say Jed Hoyer, basically his number two, and uh, Jason McLeod, who is their top minor league uh, talent um, executive or whatever. Both of them could be in play, and I wasn't clear on if there was previously dialogue with Hoyer or McLeod, but there could be at the very least. And I basically hope that they go a little more outside the box. They explore maybe the Rays organization the Astros organization, the Dodgers even, I would I would like to see them bring in an executive from from those areas and allow him to kind of build his own department around him, his own consultants, analytics guys, and whatsoever. And what I would like to happen as soon as he gets hired is for that GM, president of baseball ops, whatever his title is, for him to change the locks on his office, change the locks to the war room, and not let ownership in there. (laughs) Because Red Sox ownership has proven time and time again they are completely incompetent when it comes to making big baseball decisions. That should be left entirely up to the, uh, you know, the GM or president of baseball ops. So that's what I would like to see. Someone asked me what a Mookie Betts trade package would look like. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what most people expect it will be. I think a lot of people are thinking we're going to get automatically get the top two or three prospects in the other organization and then a couple mid to lower level guys and it's going to be this big mega deal. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. You know, maybe one semi top prospect and and maybe a mid level guy, I think is about all Mookie will command only having one year left on his contract and basically him saying that he's going to free agency. So the team that takes Mookie knows full well it's just a one-year rental and he's not going to negotiate during the season. So I just don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to this major haul similar to what like the Red Sox gave up for Chris Sale 
that's not going to happen. I think the Red Sox are in for a rude awakening. Would I still trade Mookie for one relatively high-end uh, prospect or you know, and a mid-level? Yeah, I would because that's better than nothing. That's better than letting him walk next year. And quite frankly, I don't think the Red Sox clubhouse really needs the distraction of extension talks for Mookie Betts throughout the year, trade talks if they happen in July. Um, I just think the Red Sox are ready to move on from Mookie. So I think they'll um, take that. Someone keeps asking me if I'm an Alex Cora fan or supporter. Ultimately, yes. I wouldn't say I'm a, a Cora diehard. If the Red Sox are at or below 500 by mid-July next year, I'll probably be more on the fire Cora side of the spectrum. I There are things that annoys me about him. You know, he overmanages at times. He can... Um, he gets kind of set in his ways, especially with giving guys days off, especially before an off day. Like, if Monday's an off day, why isn't Mookie Betts in the lineup on a Sunday sometimes? That just drives me insane. <laughs> so, stuff like that. I think Alex Cora is far better at bullpen management than John Farrell was. And I, at the end of the day, I, I think he is a competent manager and that the Red Sox could uh, certainly win another World Series with him. The one dynamic to watch for is his relationship with the new GM because I get the impression that when Dombrowski was here, he and Cora kind of had a father-son type relationship. And... Then towards the end, when reports were coming out that Dombrowski was ignoring the entire front office, with the exception of Frank Wren and Tony La Russa, that made me wonder what Cora's relationship was with the remainder of the front office. And I just, I'm just kind of curious to see how things go. How much influence is the front office starting this year are going to have on in-game play. Will it be entirely Alex Cora's team as it has been? Or or will he have to kind of let the analytics guys kind of weigh in and, and make some of the decisions? So tons of new dynamics. Um, I hope that I hope that Cora I, I don't like it when front office guys get in the way. I, I would rather have it the manager make the decisions and whatnot. You know, that's what you're paying him for. And um, you saw with the Dodgers in the last World Series, they sat Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy for the first seven innings of games one and two of the World Series. That's insane. <laughs> I, I don't care if Cody Bellinger is slumping. He's in my lineup for all nine innings of a World Series game. So I don't want the Red Sox to go that route. And um, we'll see. We'll see. But we do know that Alex Cora is staying. And officially, I'm pro Cora for the moment. But that could switch. I was pro John Farrell when he first got hired. And he became my least favorite manager of all time. 
And I just heard, I was listening to Mad Dog Radio on uh, Sirius Satellite, and he had a guest on that said John Farrell is better suited for the Mets than Buck Showalter. That's insane to me. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I heard that. I would take Buck Showalter any day. I'm not a big Showalter guy. I think he's kind of a whiner, but I can't dispute the fact that he's a brilliant baseball mind, and if given a talented team with a decent payroll, he would probably win a World Series. So, yeah, so basically, you know, you know, with the playoffs coming up, I'm not going to give any, um, I'm not going to make any picks right now because I'm going to save that for next uh, Wednesday's show. But I will say that the National League is completely wide open. The American League, like, it's it's tough to really tell. Um, it, it's looking like, you know, basically Yankees, Astros, ALCS. The Rays have been looking really good, so it's tough to tell if they're going to be serious and, and make a run. They'll probably be playing the Astros. Um, so I keep getting asked about JBJ. Um I think he's going to be back, if, especially if they trade Mookie, because we don't really have a ton of depth. And I'm not even a JBJ guy, and I, I would love to trade him. But realistically, who do you have in the outfield if he and Mookie are gone? You have Benintendi. So I'm a huge proponent of, of putting Michael Chavis out in left field. He's going to be playing winter ball this year, and he's going to get some starts out in left field. So that's an intriguing possibility to me, and that would open up first base for Bobby Dahlbeck when he's finally ready to be called up. I've never seen a prospect more babied than Bobby Dahlbeck, but he should be up at some point this year. And uh, so, but getting back to it, you'd have Chavis in left, Benintendi in center, and then you'd have to probably go sign a right fielder. And you probably need a, a, a second signing as well, at least a utility guy. I know Brock Holt can do it in a pinch. He's a free agent, though, anyway, so he would have to be signed. But we're just... That's the one area of weakness so far, uh, you know, look, looking forward with the Red Sox. But, I I mean, I get that JBJ is probably the best um, defensive outfielder the Red Sox have ever had, or at least center fielder. But, like I said, if you're looking for a shakeup, he's a prime candidate to pedal off and... Um, you know, help give the team a new look. So I'm trying to think off the top of my head. We've actually covered a ton of stuff here. You guys came at me, uh, you know, with a ton of questions. <laughs> so I, I honestly wasn't quite sure how this was going to was gonna work. Um, let's see. I mean, getting back to the GM situation, I'm glad Epstein wasn't the candidate you know, or, you know, the ultimately the guy they hired because, and I, I know that's an unpopular take, you know, everybody loves nostalgia. 
and quite frankly, the, the Epstein Francona era is always going to be my favorite anyway. But if you look at some of the signings Epstein made in Chicago, you know, going back to the Jason Hayward signing, he got like a seven year, $180 million deal. His numbers are basically on par with Jackie Bradley. Bradley has either beaten him every year in the war stat, or this year he's tied him. So he's been higher or even with Hayward as far as wins above replacement. And Bradley's making $20 million less a year. That's just insane that Epstein would make a signing like that. Could you imagine giving Jackie Bradley $27 million a year? That's how you don't win a World Series, you know, making moves like that. And um, also the U Darvish signing was absolutely terrible. That was like, I think it was five years, $125 million. The guy had a ton of mileage on his arm between pitching in Texas and previously in Japan. Had Tommy John surgery, extremely injury prone, was a raging head case in the World Series. The Dodgers lost the 2017 World Series the moment Hugh Darvish's name was penciled onto the lineup card as the starting pitcher. As soon as that happened, it was all over. They could have went with Alex Wood knowing he would only have to pitch three innings in Game 7. Then you go to Kershaw for three more innings. And then they would have had Morrow and Jansen to split up the last three. Maybe they win the World Series. But they started Darvish, and he didn't get out of either the first or second inning. Just got absolutely shelled. And um, Epstein signed him, and that was a huge mistake. He also signed Craig Kimbrell, who has been absolutely terrible (laughs) this season. And... You know, he's under contract for two more years, so um, not good moves on the part of Epstein. He's always had issues when it comes to free agent spending. Epstein is great when it comes to drafting and developing talent. I mean, we saw that, you know, for the last decade and a half with the Red Sox. I mean, Mookie Betts is still technically an Epstein guy. He was drafted in 2011, so... so no concerns as far as drafting and development, but I don't know what the hell happens to Theo Epstein's brain when it comes to spending. And his last few years with the Red Sox, not good. You know, signed Carl Crawford to that mega deal, which didn't work out. Adrian Gonzalez, from a performance standpoint, wasn't really a bust, but he was a clubhouse cancer. And, you know, we ended up trading him. Um, basically, um, you know, he re-signed Beckett, which thank goodness the Dodgers took because that was going to be a bad contract. Uh, the lackey signing wasn't good until 2013 after he had Tommy John. Theo Epstein has a lot of issues and the fact that he made so many more mistakes with the Cubs just proves that he didn't learn his lessons in Boston. So, I think his way of thinking, his way of roster building is a little bit outdated. And I'm kind of glad the Red Sox didn't go there. I, I want to take the same approach that 
Houston is taking, that the Dodgers have taken, minus the hardcore analytics that we saw in the World Series. There's no denying they've built a great roster. They just need to keep the analytics guys away from the actual in-game, uh, you know, management. And um, I don't know if I mentioned the Braves, but, you know, they're looking like a, a juggernaut built for the long term. The Phillies as well, and they're about to fire Gabe Kapler. So um, I, I still think the Phillies are looking at a pretty long window. Um, so those are the, the types of executives I, I would like to have in Boston. And I do not want ownership getting in the way of these guys. Just hire someone that impresses you. Let him build his staff around him. And then manage the Boston Red Sox. That's that's it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to get more complicated than that. And there's so many reports and whispers coming out in the last several days that some executives just don't want to come to Boston and deal with John Henry and, and get fired after the third or fourth year. They just don't want to do it. And Ken Rosenthal said today on the MLB network that a lot of rival executives weren't thrilled with how poorly Ben Sherrington was treated in Boston. And to this day, I still think ownership pushed the Hanley Ramirez signing onto Sherrington as well as the Pablo Sandoval signing. And I don't think Ben Sherrington ever fully had the reins and I would be, I would be curious to see what history would have looked like had they let him do that. So, um, so, you know, that's kind of what, you know, I'm hoping happens in the future. Just ownership just stays out of it. And I mean, Dombrowski, he, thank goodness he got fired. So I guess, I mean, Dombrowski haters can't be choosers, but, the way the Red Sox won the 2018 World Series was in a way like no one's ever seen before. We brought in Nathan Avoldi and Steve Pierce. Both were scrap heap guys for the most part. Avoldi has barely been a number four, number five starter his whole career. And, and you know, Pierce has been pretty solid in a platoon role for the last several years, but... But they caught fire at the right time, and and that helped win a World Series. And Chris Sale was, like, treading water throughout the playoffs. And David Price wasn't really effective until Game 5 of the ALCS. I mean, the stars aligned perfectly. And, you know, the Evoldi the trade and the Pierce trade, those, were, those worked out as good trades, but they were terrible signings. And you look at Avoldi four years, sixty-eight million. Look at what the Houston Astros got out of Wade Miley, who basically pitched to the level of a number three this year on a four point five million dollar deal. Dave Dombrowski, you know, big time overrated. And look at the Tigers; they became a wasteland the day Dombrowski was fired. And they're still a, a wasteland to, 
right up till the moment he got fired from the Red Sox. And I don't expect the Tigers to be competitive for the next two or three years. And, you know, that's because of the poor decision-making on the part of Dombrowski. And I even wonder, like, two years ago when we acquired Nunez and that was the 2017 season where Houston bounced us, I really believe that Dombrowski, if ownership let him, would have traded Rafael Devers. He probably would have traded Michael Chavis at some point. So thank goodness he's gone. But I don't think the the average Red Sox fan really knows how bad Dave Dombrowski was and how much worse things would have been had he stayed. So thank goodness he was fired before more damage could be done. But I said that Theo Epstein was outdated. Epstein is a generation older than Epstein, you know. It's just crazy that we won a World Series with a a president of baseball ops like Dombrowski who had a 1990s mindset. And we won a World Series in 2018. That's crazy. And I give Alex Cora the bulk of the credit for winning that World Series because... He's the one who engineered that bullpen strategy to incorporate the starters in there. And, you know, instead of them throwing their side sessions, pitching in the eighth inning became their side session. And I think that had a lot to do with uh, why we won the World Series. You know, it just, it was just smart thinking on the fly on the part of Alex Cora. And, so we'll see. I'll say one other thing that I, I didn't mention earlier with Cora. I think one of his weaknesses as a manager as well is he doesn't hold guys accountable. I don't know that when David Price is mouthing off about Dennis Eckersley or he's in the middle of a bad skid, you know, where he has three or four bad starts in a row, I don't know that Alex Cora is confronting him and saying, you know, look, you, we need to make adjustments or you got to stop acting like that in front of the media, you know, with his outbursts. I don't know that Alex Cora has the courage to stand up to some of these veterans. I just, I, I don't know if, if a story gets leaked out that Alex Cora destroyed his own office because he was mad about something or flipped his desk, kind of like you saw Billy Bean in the Moneyball movie if something like that were to get leaked out i'd probably be relieved i'd be like oh okay good good look he's you know he's flipping out he's making a statement he's trying to get these guys in line i would love to see that but but you know we haven't really seen it yet he did kind of he did kind of call out devers earlier in the year for his bad defense and um um, Eduardo Rodriguez as well with uh, some of his earlier performances, but but those are younger guys, and it's a lot easier for him to do that. It's not as easy for him to do it against veterans. So so I'm kind of going to be watching him closely though, and you know we'll see what happens. But there's if next year doesn't go well, he could he could be out of a job and. You know, and I, I just wonder, I mean, there's so many good jobs open this offseason. You got the 
the Cubs most likely. Um, you'll have the Phillies most likely. The Padres job opened up a few days ago, and that's a prime spot given their farm system. That's a team that's probably, excuse me, two starting pitchers away from making at the very least a wild card run, if not a run for the division. So, um, you know, so those are three jobs that are very attractive and I don't know how crazy people will be about the Giants opening with Bochi retiring or, you know, the Royals with Ned Yost retiring, but, um, yeah, maybe this should have been the season for off season for Cora to get fired with all those nice, nice gigs kind of opening up. But uh, any other questions before I wrap? Going once, going twice, no sale. All right. So basically, uh, Monday night will be the wild card preview. That'll be the next uh, podcast. And then two nights later at the conclusion of the second wild card game, which is happens to be the American League game, um, we'll do our full in-depth playoff preview where we make predictions, our own individual predictions. And uh, yeah, and then we'll, we'll probably come on throughout the month of October to talk some playoffs of any Red Sox developments take place. Of course, we'll discuss that as well. And uh, so, yeah, that's what you can expect. Uh, Everyone hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night and uh, a good final regular season (laughs) baseball weekend as well. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing at a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did it, he got it. Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. Hey, Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it?